your Bibles this morning to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, the theme for last week, this week, and next week is a living hope. Thank you, guys. You appreciate our musicians? I do. They do a good job, don't they? They do a great job. Praise God. Also, if you are here for the very first time, welcome. Good to have you here today. If you're here for the first time, would you kindly raise your hand? We have something we'd like to get to you, sir. Thank you for coming. Back there, thank you for being here. Over there, thank you for coming. Praise God. I'll be out in the foyer afterwards. I know Pastor Nancy will be and others will be. We'd love to, to meet you and greet you today. And uh, just uh, as Yeshua's give you that, that's just some information about the church and the various things that we have available in the church. Father, thank you for your word today. As Donnie Moore would pray, we ask for help and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a, what kind of hope? Unto a lively or a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now I love how the message says it this way. He says, we've been born into a new life that has a confidence which is alive because Jesus Christ came back to life. Well, since he came back, you can have a comeback. We've already defined what hope is. Hope basically is the happy anticipation of something good. You know, Paul said that hope abideth. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, it says, And now abideth, I think he says, faith, hope, and love. And he says the greatest of these is love. But the word there, abide, means lives. So hope is something that is alive. And hope is something that can be kept alive in our soul and in our lives as well. Amen? Again, as we said earlier, it must be guarded and nourished and fed with the Word of God. Now turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. And here's kind of our, our kicking off point in this message today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18, we looked at it um, last week. And I'm going to quote it to you from the King James Version. He prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give unto us the spirit of wisdom, revelation, knowledge Him. That the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. That we may know what is the hope of his calling. Now I want you to read the last part of that verse with me if you would. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Let's keep that up there right now. Notice with me that we need to understand and come to a grasping of the riches of the inheritance that we have in Christ. Did you know that you have an inheritance? Yes, and that you do not have to wait to ha- till you get to heaven to tap into your inheritance. We have an inheritance. Now, if you look with me at Ephesians 1.3, you can see what this inheritance consists of. Ephesians 1.3 simply says this, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Say it with me, I'm already blessed. blessed. He has blessed us with what? With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we see here that this inheritance includes blessing. Well, when we think about our inheritance, we could list 
And the list would be very long about what our inheritance includes. We're blessed with peace. We're blessed with joy. We're blessed with righteousness. Hey, we're blessed with the presence of God. Man, what a blessing it is to be in the presence of God today. But not only that, we're blessed with his anointing. We're blessed with his goodness. We're blessed coming in. We're blessed going out. We are a blessed people. Amen. Now, I don't know if you've heard of W.E. Vines or not, but listen to what he says about the idea of inheritance. Vines says this, the New Testament idea of inheriting broadens out to include all spiritual good provided through and in Christ and particularly all that is contained in the hope grounded on the promises of God. In the world, we have no hope. But we are not of the world, we are of the word. In the world, hope quickly runs out. But in the word, the Bible says, we are comforted, we are blessed, because we have the exceeding great and precious promises that by these we escape the curse that is in this world. Amen? The psalmist said it this way. He said, you are my hiding place. You are my hiding place. And I hope in your word. I'm hoping in the word of God. There's hope contained in the promises of God. Vines goes on to say this of inheritance. He says, inheritance is that which is received as a gift rather than a reward for law keeping. It's a gift rather than a reward for law keeping. It is your birthright. It is your birthright or that which is entered because of sonship. It's our right. It's our privilege. So this puts us all on the same plane. Do you know that God is an equal opportunity God? (laughs) Understanding that you're a son of God. And you know, if you're a woman, you're still a son of God. Get over it. We're not talking about male and female gender. We're talking about birthright. We are the children of the most high God. Amen. And so what this says then is that God's blessings are not based upon us. They're not based upon our performance. But they're based upon Him. And that's good news. Now, of course, there is the aspect of God moves when we move in faith. Now look over at Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, Amplified Version. Isaiah the 30th chapter, the 18th verse says, And therefore, the Lord earnestly waits, expecting and looking and longing to be gracious to you. And therefore, he lifts himself up. In other words, he's looking, he's waiting for someone to be good to that's waiting for him to be good to them. Amen. That he may have mercy And show loving kindness to you. Aren't you glad that the mercy of God makes up for all of our goofiness? Makes up for all of our little idiosyncrasies. Thank God the Lord lifts himself up. And he's waiting to be good to those who are waiting for him. Man, that's good. 
For the Lord God is a God of justice. Now notice this. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are those who earnestly wait for him. He's waiting for us, but we're also waiting for him. In, in, that, in the aspect that we are expecting him and looking Long for his victory, his favor, his love, his peace, his joy, and his matchless, unbroken companionship. Man. You know what my confession is today? Lord, look no further. Show mercy upon Mark Thomas. Look no further. Be gracious unto these people here today. His eyes are looking throughout the whole auditorium today. He wants to show you mercy in your physical being. He wants to show you mercy in your finances. He wants to be gracious unto you and promote you. He's looking for a man or for a woman that will just put their cope and their confidence in him. Well, since he's waiting and expecting, I've chosen to wait and to expect. Amen? So then it's important, as we said last week, how we wait. How do we wait? How are we waiting? See, we're to wait with gladness and not sadness. I like this one verse of Scripture. You don't need to turn there. Let me quote it to you. It says in Proverbs 10, 28, that the hope of the uncompromisingly righteous, those that are upright and in right standing with God, is gladness. So when we are waiting upon the Lord and expecting good things to happen, we ought to wait with a smile on our face. Amen? Did you know that joy and peace are absolutely gauges to tell whether we're really in faith or we're really in hope and not? See, the Bible says that the God of hope is going to fill you with all joy and peace and believing. Amen? And so, wait with gladness. And wait with composure. Composure. We ought not to be up and down. Based on the circumstances of life. The Bible says, for you have need of patience. That after you've done the will of God, you would receive the promises. See, a person that is patient is composed. A person that is patiently enduring and confidently waiting and expecting is not a person that's ruled by his or her emotions. A person that is patient is consistent And the same at all times. Isn't that good news? You can be patient. And you can have composure. You and I do not need to fall apart. Amen. We're standing on the rock, right? Now, look with me over at Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verse 35. So the passage of time then becomes a, a major thief, the passage of time, okay? And this is what the Word of God says, when time passes between the amen and the here it is, he says, cast not away, therefore, your what? Another way of saying, cast not away your faith, cast not away your hope, amen? Which hath great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience, verse 36, that after you have done the will of God, what's going to happen? Look at your neighbor and say, you have need of patience. You have need of patience. Look at your other neighbor and say, you have need of big patience. 
You've got need of patience. That after you've done the will of God. What if you haven't done the will of God? Well, you still got to be patient. Amen? That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. I am a firm believer that God is working on something right now. You can't see it because he's working in the realm of the spirit. Now, if he was to open your eyes, you'd be able to see it. You may not be able to see it with these eyes, but if you wait on him and close your eyes, you'll be able to touch it and to see it with the eyes of your heart. And that's why it is so important to turn the radio off and turn the television off and turn off all of the voices that are out there in this world because those voices can become dream thieves and major distractions. Amen? Amen. I, I firmly believe that as we prayed today and as we made some faith declarations about being dead freedom, I firmly believe God's moving. Don't you know this? That he who said light be and created the universe with the voice of faith and upholds the whole universe by the word of his power, don't you know that he's able to arrange divine appointments and divine connections for you? Don't you know, don't you believe that he's working on something right now? I believe it with all my heart. And so what's required of us then, so that we don't get in there and mess things up, what's required of us is simply believing Him, trusting Him, and being patient. Amen? Not being sour and all acting like a fool and different things like that. You know, I believe this, that people's hearts really begin to sink when they let go of their hope. People can become sad and depressed You mean Christians can become sad? Absolutely. You mean Christians can become depressed? Absolutely. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of depression that people go to the hospital for and that it's, you know, something in another area. But I'm talking about your spirits just drooping and and just kind of not being yourself and, and just not looking forward to anything. That's not the will of God. The will of God is for us to look forward to Monday morning. Look forward to Tuesday morning. Now, here's what Proverbs says. He says that hope deferred or hopes or expectations that are detained. Okay. It makes the heart sick. One translation says it causes the heart to droop. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Here's what happens. When you've been waiting for a long period of time, the enemy will come along to bring his discouragement. And sometimes he will use other people. Sometimes he will, he will bring some tests, maybe, that you've never faced before. Now, I don't mean that by saying that tests you've never faced before, that no one's ever faced before. Because the tests and the trials that we face, someone's already gone through it. Otherwise, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 wouldn't be true where it says there's no man, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But anyway, he will, he will throw at us fiery darts, you know. He'll throw at us discouragement. 
Maybe throw a migraine at you. Anybody woke up in the morning and felt like you've been beat up all night? I got a cure-all for you. Go to the Word, speak the Word, and drink some strong coffee. Now, the children of Israel are a real good example of this. You know, God, God delivered these guys from Egypt. I mean, He did some wonderful things for them, did He not? But I want you to, to look at this one. Look at with me to uh, Numbers chapter 21. And uh, I want to look at verse 4. And I'm going to look at it from the Amplified Version. Notice this in, in Numbers, the 21st chapter, and the, and the fourth verse. And they journeyed. Who are they? Well, they are the children of Israel, right? They journeyed from Mount Or, by the way, to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom. And the people became what? They became impatient. So we know right there, if through faith and patience you inherit the promises, if you become impatient, you won't inherit anything. If he tells us not to cast away our confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience that you might receive the promise, if we become impatient, we won't receive the promise. And of course, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for many, many years when they could have made it into the promised land in just days. And the people became impatient. Notice what else they became. They became depressed. Mark this down. Impatience is the doorway to discouragement. Being impatient opens up a door. And all the enemy is looking for is just an inch. You give him an inch, he'll take a mile. But he says here, And the people became impatient, depressed, or sad, and much discouraged. Why? Because of what? Because of the trials... (laughs) Of the way. Now, they did exactly the opposite of what James tells us to do in the New Testament. James tells us, my brothers and sisters, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations. Not if you fall, when you fall. It's not a question whether or not you're going to be in a test or a trial from time to time. The question is when. But here's what the Word of God says, count it all joy. It doesn't say get depressed and sad and discouraged. It says count it all joy. The word count is an accounting term. In other words, mark it down. When the test comes, your joy needs to be ready to roll. Count it all joy. When you fall into different temptations, tests and trials, knowing this, now know this, that the trial of your faith What does it work? It worketh patience. One translation says it employs patience. In other words, when the squeeze is on, the joy of the Lord rises up and patience goes to work on your behalf. Let patience have her perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire. Notice this, lacking nothing. Wanting nothing. Hey, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is good to me. But notice with me, they became depressed, they become sad, they became discouraged because of the trials. Come on, somebody. Because of the trials of the way. 
I want to read something Joyce Meyer said. This is really good. She said that unrealistic expectations can get us into trouble. She said we should expect God to do great things in our lives, but we cannot expect what the Bible does not tell us we can have. And then she went on to John 16, verse 33. And I want you to pull that up here. John 16, 33 does not say. Look at your neighbor and say, does not say. It does not say, in the world you will have tribulation, so get depressed and give up. Because that's just the way things are. No. But John 16, 33 says, and let's put it up in the King James. He said, in the world, you're going to have some trouble. You're going to have some tests. You're going to have some trials. But be of good cheer. Being of good cheer is the opposite of yielding to sadness, depression, and fear. Being of good cheer is counting it all joy. Be of what? Be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Now here's the problem with many Christians is they're expecting life to be easy. Life, people tell, have told me in days past, you know, I got saved and spirit filled. And all of a sudden, wow, all of these things came against me. Well, Hello. Welcome to the world of the Spirit. Your eyes are finally opened. Amen. The enemy is a thief. He comes to rob and destroy and to kill. Right? Now, life can be difficult. Even though Jesus came to give us life and to have it more abundantly, let's face it, there are some tests that you have faced that have been very difficult. And that's why he says that in life we are to endure hardness as what? As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I mean, let's just get real about it. It's not easy to live a holy life in an unholy world. It's hard. I'm going to tell you right now, it's hard not to be overweight in this society. Are you listening to me? It's hard to exercise consistently. Just look at all those exercise equipments that have laundry hanging over in your house. (laughs) Be honest with you, it's hard to put up with obnoxious people. It's difficult. But you see, God, through His Word can take something hard and put his strength and his ability in you so that you're able to stand in the midst of it and go through it and come out on the other side shining, rejoicing, and intact in your life. That's good news, isn't it? So in the world we're going to have some tribulation, but be a good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Now, here's what I know for sure. Having a confident, favorable expectation. I know this from my life. It holds me steady. There's been so many times where I have just felt like getting a U-Haul truck 
and backing it up to my house and loading it up and not showing up over the years. But you know what? I'm not a quitter. I'm a winner. You know what quitters do when when the going gets tough? Quitters run. But winners face the difficult times. And they face it with faith. And they face it with hope. That's why a lot of of Christians get divorced today. Because they're losers. I mean, you know, let's just be honest about it. They've quit. You quit, you lose. Right? Right? Now, I'm not intimating that every person that's had a divorce is a loser. But you know something? You lose when you quit. You come up short when you quit. I'm not looking at a congregation of quitters here today. I'm looking at a congregation of winners. But here's what I have found out. That hope anchors my soul. Look with me to Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19. Is this all right for you today? It'll help you. Say it with me, having a living hope will hold me steady. Okay, Hebrews 6, 19, read it with me. Ready, read. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, of your mind, your will, and your emotions. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps upon it, a hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence of God within the veil. Say it with me, an anchor. Hope is my anchor. And in difficult times, it holds me steady. So what this is saying is this, is when you are anchored in the promises of God, you are not going to drift out into the storms and in the trials of the way and not make it. But God's going to hold you. You know, the Bible says he holds you in the palm of his hand. He's got you. And so when you are living with happy anticipation of good, you are anchored in the goodness of God. Anchored. My soul is anchored. Anchored in the promises of God. Anchored in my blood covenant. I'm anchored in him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Say with me, my soul soul is not troubled. My soul is anchored in the promises of God. So how many of you really believe that your current situation is going to change? If you really believe that your current situation can't last forever, you'll not get depressed. You'll not get sad because you're anchored. Turn me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Faith is a persuasion. Did you know that Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform? He was fully persuaded. So faith then is a persuasion if you will, based on something God has said. So when you 
look into the promises of God, become fully persuaded that that is true for you. I am confident and I am fully persuaded that what God has promised me, he's able to perform. I am fully persuaded that the Lord is my shepherd. I do not want. I am fully persuaded that by his stripes I am healed. I am fully persuaded that if I'll call upon the name of the Lord and claim my household to be saved, they will come into the family of God. You see, get persuaded with the promises. Now, the enemy comes to unpersuade you, which really isn't a word. But he will try to come and talk you out of what you have been persuaded of. And that is why there must be a continual feeding on the promises so you can stay continuously persuaded. And, listen now, and become fully persuaded. You know, how many of you ever been to a dinner and you got partially full? And you felt like, well, you know, as soon as I get out of here, I'm going to go get something to eat so I can get fully full. You know, some of those banquets are like that. You know, where there's the chicken and the wilted lettuce and it costs about $55. And there's just this, you know, little small dessert. You're thinking, man, where's in and out Burger? So you can be partially filled with food, but you also can be full to overflowing. Same with the Spirit. You can be partially filled with the Spirit, but you can be filled unto all the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I did a message years ago called, The Fuller, The Better. You know, the fuller of the Spirit, the better off your life is going to be. The fuller of the Spirit, the better husband you're going to be. The fuller of the Spirit, the better worker you're going to be. Okay? But you see, you can be sort of filled... And then you can be overflowing. For out of your spirit flows rivers of living water. It's the same thing with the true. True with the word. You can be sort of full of the word. But you can be talked about of it easily if you're not fully persuaded. And that's the will of God for my life and for your life. Faith, say it with me, faith Faith. is a persuasion. Faith is being fully persuaded on the promises of God and being fully persuaded that what God said is true in my life. Now, faith is, Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is. It is the foundation of things that we hope for. In light of what we have said this morning, faith is a persuasion, hope is an expectation. I become persuaded that this word is true, and then I'm expecting God to perform it on my behalf. I'm fully persuaded and fully expecting. And you know, if you'll live your life just in that simple little principle, you can't lose. The devil won't be able to knock it out of you with a baseball bat. It won't matter what comes your way. You're fully persuaded. 
But not only are you fully persuaded, you're fully expecting. You got your neck outstretched. You know that good things are happening to you today. In closing, look at Isaiah chapter 38. I believe with all of my heart that there is no situation in your life too difficult that God can't turn it around. God will turn impossible situations around if we will just simply believe Him. In Mark 9, 23, He says, All things are possible to him that believeth. Look at Isaiah chapter 38 and notice with me real quickly something about King Hezekiah. Isaiah chapter 38, verses 1 through 5. Well, it's quiet in here, you must be thinking. Some of you are sleeping. Hope you had a good nap. I'm just kidding. I love you in spite of your old carnal self. Isaiah chapter 38, verse 1. In In those days, Hezekiah was sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. That's not a great report, is it? (laughs) In other words, here's a death sentence. Then Hezekiah, what did he do? He turned his face toward the wall and he prayed unto the Lord. And he pled his case. Verse 3. And said, remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart. No, he wasn't perfect, but his heart was right. And you have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, and he said, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the Lord God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears, and behold, I will add unto you how many years? So what happened? What happened between the time that he received this death sentence and the time that he received 15 more years? What happened to Hezekiah and what can happen to you is Hezekiah turned away from his own sensations. He turned away from man. He turned away from his own symptoms and he turned his face toward the wall. And when he turned his face toward the wall, all he could see was God. I submit to you this morning, there's some of you that you need to turn away from your symptoms. Turn away from your sensations. And turn your face to the wall to where all you can see is God. Because God is where your answer is. The Bible said that Hezekiah began to plead his case. And he wept sore. Perhaps Hezekiah had something to repent of. You know, sometimes before your hopeless situations can turn around, you need to repent. Amen? But whatever that Hezekiah did, it touched the heart of God. Now, dear friends, you're going to get ample opportunity to be looking at the circumstances of life. But if you want your situations to turn, you must turn. Turn away from the distractions of this life. Turn away from sadness and depression and get filled with the word of God and filled with the joy of the Lord and live a life with a happy anticipation 
of good. Let's stand to our feet. Amen? Amen. Let's raise our hands right now. Let's pray this together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it with me, Heavenly Father. Father. I'm here today today. trusting you. you. Though trials may come come. because of the way, way. I do what the Word says. I I choose to rejoice in the Lord my God. I choose to be of good cheer. I refuse to back down. I refuse to back off. God's not given me a spirit of fear. I am fully persuaded that the promises of God are true in my life. And I am fully expecting His Word to come to pass in my life. And so I just give you thanksgiving. I give you praise that it's all coming together. It's all coming together. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. As every head bowed and every eyes closed, you hear this morning. And the only hope that we have from a complete escape from this world is Jesus Christ. Salvation doesn't come in any other name but the name above every name, the name of Jesus. And you're here today and you say, you know what? I want to give my heart to the Lord. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to open up my heart and invite the King of glory to come in. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, maybe you are a Christian, you've gotten away from the Lord and you want to get back with Him today. Or you say, you know, I am a Christian and uh, I've not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit. You talk for a moment about the fullness of the Spirit and I'd like to be filled with the Holy Ghost today. Would you pray for me? Would you lay hands on me? Yes, we absolutely will. So as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you say, well, I grew up in a church, don't know whether I'm saved or not. The Bible says that you can have a no-so salvation. You don't have to wonder whether you're saved or not. My Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you will in fact be saved. Amen? Do you want to have that kind of assurance in your heart? To know that you have a home in heaven? To know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and that His hand is upon you for good? You can have that assurance today. How would you like a little bit more heaven here on earth and be filled with the Holy Spirit? Any candidates here today? As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, on the count of three, I'm going to ask everyone that either wants to receive the Lord or secondly, get back with the Lord or thirdly, be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to ask you all to raise your hands. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. I said we're going to believe God. Amen. I'm going to count to three. You ready? One, two, and three. Go ahead and raise your hand. Yes, all over this auditorium. One, two, three, four, five. Who else? Six. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just keep your hands raised so I can see it. Praise God. Wave it at me. All right. Praise God. The Lord sees your hands. I see your hand. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Thank you. In a moment, we're going to pray. We're going to trust Him. We're going to believe God. Now, you said, well, Pastor, I didn't raise my hand, but I sure wish I would have. Well, it's not too late. You can raise your hand. You can say, yeah, include me. I want to pray. I want to know Jesus. I want to receive the Holy Spirit. I desire to be filled with God. 
Didn't raise your hand, should have raised your hand. Okay, raise it right now, all over this auditorium. You didn't raise your hand, should have raised your hand. All right, yes, back there, God bless you. Amen. That's awesome, guys. Good to see you guys today. Wonderful. Well, God's moving. God's moving by His Spirit right now. Whether you can feel it, whether you can sense it or not, He's here. And it's kind of like this electricity that's in this room this morning. When someone came in here to activate this electricity, they had to turn it on. Okay? Well, faith is your switch today. The power of God is there to save, to restore, and to fill you with His Spirit today. And the switch is faith. You say, yes, Lord, be it unto me. I receive Jesus. I receive the infilling of the Spirit. I receive, hallelujah, restoration. Now, all of you that raise your hand, look at me. Everyone that raised their hand, look at me. Now, we're going to do exactly what we said we'd do. We're going to pray for you and we're going to believe God. Amen? Amen. So I'm asking all of you, all of you at the same time, to step out in the aisle, step forth, come on forward. You raise your hand. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. Come on, guys. Let's give them a big hand. <laughs> Praise God.